I hope you're sitting down because this is going to get ugly real quick. Did you know that there's a part of the Gospel of Mark where Jesus uses a racial slur? In Mark chapter 7, there's the account of the Seraphonician woman, a woman who is Syrian and Greek, both of which there were strong biases against within the Jewish community. And she comes to ask Jesus to heal her daughter who's possessed by a demon. And what is Jesus' response? He says, it's not good for me to give the children's food, meaning the children of Israel's food, to dogs. He calls her a dog. What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. She speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus' mind. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. I love this story because it's a reminder that Jesus is human. He had prejudices and bias, and when confronted with it, he was willing to do his work. And this woman was willing to stand up and speak truth. There are at least five very significant lies in the video you just heard. This is Reverend Brandon Robertson. And I say Reverend because that's the title he has. I don't know where he's ordained, but he is a proponent of um, pro-gay theology. And, and what I'm going to suggest is a different Christianity altogether. We're going to get into more of his theology later, but today we're going to unpack and deal with this Jesus was racist video. N absolute nonsense. It's wrong on so many levels. And I know several other Christians have done responses to this video, but there's some things that they haven't said that I would like to say, and that's what I'm going to give you today. Here's the breakdown. There are, again, a number of lies. Let's start with the first one. Here it is right now. Did you know that there's a part of the Gospel of Mark where Jesus uses a racial slur? Uh, no, it's not a racial slur. So Brandon wants you to think this is about racial prejudice. This is about reframing the text of the scripture in this passage to be about racial tensions, race, race issues, which is very, very like a 2021 thing to say and do right now, right? Like in our modern current culture, race is absolutely, and for good reason, race is an important issue for us to talk about. He's trying to read his agenda, though, his race agenda back into the text of scripture. Now, this is not random. This is not the only area where Brandon Robertson radically misunderstands the Bible, and I think on purpose, but this is not only him doing it, he actually gets this from his mentor, a guy named Miguel de la Torre. This is Miguel de la Torre. He is a scholar, a Latinx, that's the term he uses, a Latinx scholar. After Brandon Robertson brought this TikTok video, this, this video that got tons of responses from people, pushback, he brought on his mentor, the guy he got this as his source, to have a back and forth discussion, an interview on the topic. This is Brandon talking to Dr. Miguel de la Torre. I'm going to now share with you how badly he rips the scripture to pieces to fit his current social agendas. It's really bad, you guys. Look, you know me. I just care about scripture. I want to know what it really says. I want to know what it really means. And and these guys, they are so committed to, to be honest, critical race theory views of humanity that they can't read the Bible anymore. Like it's become their religion. Listen to how he recasts it. Listen in detail. Notice all the steps that he takes because we can learn from this. Moving forward, this is going to be an increasing problem in the world. I don't know about you, but I am somewhat troubled with this particular verse. Imagine if my daughter was ill and I was to take her to the hospital and the doctor on duty would say, oh, I am sorry, but... The medicine in this hospital are for real Americans and not for you Latino dogs. I don't know about you, but I will be somewhat offended. And yet Jesus calls this woman a dog. 
Now, now we have this habit of trying to save Jesus from Jesus, and we interpret this by saying, well, he was just testing her faith. But that doesn't wash with me, because no matter how much you want to convince me that the doctor was testing my faith, I would still be insulted. You see, every time I call a realtor to see if the property is still available, and they hear my accent and they say it is not, I am reminded that I am among the dogs of society. When a first-time Latino is, commits a crime, and he is more likely to receive 10 times more penalty than a white convict, I am reminded that we are the dogs of society. When our children are being ripped from the arms of their mothers and placed in cages, I am reminded that we are the dogs of society. So you have to forgive me if I am a little concerned about being asked to follow this Jesus who calls this woman of color a dog. This is a masterclass in how to manipulate the scripture to fit your current social agendas. Now, I'm not suggesting, of course, that, that, that racism is not a thing, although because um, it absolutely is. I actually have a long video where I teach on this. I'll link it below. We talk about the major real issues of racism, but we also talk about the problems with critical race theory as a it's a worldview that's incompatible with Christianity, I believe. Now, this is him trying to make them compatible. So to make them compatible, he's changing Christianity to fit his worldview. He says it's about this, this term dog is equivalent to a modern phrase, Latino dogs, right? Which I, phrase I've never even heard anybody use, but but that's that's the phrase that he's, he wants to say is basically in Jesus's mouth. He also calls her a colored woman, which is really interesting. We'll get there in a minute about the, the, the strangeness of this. But this is just a masterclass in how to twist the Bible to fit your current social agenda. Now, I want you to see him in conversation with Brandon Robertson, and they're actually talking about this. Listen to what he says. Now, you know he's a scholar. You think he's a scholar. He knows his stuff. Listen to what he says. And then I will explain to you how it's completely a lie, like it's not factually true and it's not hard to prove it. Here we go. To, you know, to have Jesus say, I'm sorry, but you're a dog and I'm not going to give you this. Now, of course, not only a dog, but a female dog. So, I mean, even the, the, the word may have been a little stronger than, than, than the cleanup version that we're using. So let's just be clear, the entire case that he has, that Brandon has, that Jesus was racist, hangs on the meaning of this word dog. It's when Jesus says, it's not good to give the children's food to dogs. Now, first off, he doesn't say, you are a dog. That's not a phrase that Jesus says. They're both, they both change Jesus's words and the woman's words in order to fit their way of wanting to interpret it. Um, he refers to dogs as, as plural, as a category of people, which is to say that they're not Jews, they're not the children. Brandon hinted at this in his one minute video, but then he immediately leapt away from it and jumped over to the idea of race instead of religion. It's a religious issue. But let me push back on this idea that uh, the word dog there is meant to be a derogatory racial term and and the doctor, scholar, Miguel de la Torre says that it was used in the feminine and the feminine word, it means the basically the B word, right? He's saying the B word about this woman, which really changes your approach to Jesus. And he says, oh, don't try to save Jesus from Jesus, right? These are these are lies. This is, this is not true about what actually happened in the text. This is somehow uh, appropriate in his mind, but it's not actually what scripture says. So let's look at the actual word itself. This is the word Jesus used. He used the word uh, kunarion, right? That's the lexical form of the word. He actually said uh, kunariois because he, he did the plural dogs. So kunarion 
is dog, little dog. I've given you literally a list here on the side of the screen of a bunch of different lexicons and the way they translate the word. So little dogs, dog, puppy, house dog, little dog. You notice the word little is used a lot, lap dog. You see there's different words for dog in the Greek and this word represents more of a pet, right? And in her culture, right, the Syrophoenician groups, they actually did have dogs as pets on occasions. In fact, the more affluent families did, which it's good. There's a good chance she was actually a more affluent type of a person. There's a decent chance that that was the case. But notice this. If you look at the top of the screen right here, let me see if I can find the spot right here. There's a line that says noun, dative, plural, neuter. That's because the word Jesus used in the very verses in Mark and in Matthew, where he says it's not good to throw to the dogs, right? The children's bread. It's neuter. It's not feminine. There, this is a simple, obvious, factual error. Miguel de la Torre wants to make this an ugly, ugly word. So he, he takes modern English conventions. When you use a feminized word of dog to talk down to somebody, it is very much meant to be derogatory and insulting. Jesus doesn't use that word. He uses a word for house pets, for house dogs. There is another word that does have that derogatory meaning. And it's, and, and again, it's, it's not feminine. Right now in the, in the Greek, I don't think the feminine would matter that much because all the words are feminine and masculine. It doesn't have as much of a heavy hit as it does in English. At any rate, here's the actual word that you would use if you wanted to just give a derogatory term dog when referring to somebody. It's the word kuon or uh, kusin in this particular verse when Jesus says, don't give to dogs what is holy. Now, what I want you to notice about this, if you care about the Bible and you care about truth, I want you to know Jesus says this about people who are spiritual unbelievers who openly reject right, the message of the gospel. And he describes those who are combative and who are persecuting as dogs. This is a very negative term, dog. This is, this is a, but it's a spiritual thing because it's, only, it's, it's a reference to anybody of any race or any ethnicity, but that they are hostile to the gospel upon hearing it. They d decide to respond with mockery and, um, and all that sort of thing. So you, you move along. You go to the next person and share. You don't just stay sharing with them forever. So there you could see on your screen, there's even some strong words being used there. If Jesus wanted the most insulting word, this is the word he would have used. Yet in the New Testament, when the word dog is used, it always uses this really derogatory term. It's not racial though. It's just derogatory. It is, it is negative. It's not racial. That's modern reading into the ancient text. But when Jesus talks to this woman, it's the only place in the entire New Testament where four times, twice in Matthew, twice in Mark, he uses the soft word for dog. He uses canarion or canarios. This is the little dogs, the lap dogs, the house dogs. In other words, there's a sense in which there isn't a rejection, a whole rejection of this woman. And it's not about her being a woman in the first place. It's not being used in that sense. This means the guy is being dishonest. Miguel de la Torre, who is the source for Brandon Robertson, who is you know, getting a lot of attention by producing blasphemous content, to be completely honest. They're also producing fallacious content. It's not only blasphemous against the person of Christ. It's fallacious. It's false. It's based on deceit and misrepresentation of an ancient text that modern eyes can easily misread. We don't want to take it wrong. We don't want to save Jesus from Jesus, but we certainly want to save Jesus from Brandon Robertson and Miguel de la Torre. That's definitely a goal of mine. Yes, when the Bible wants to be uh, more harsh and it uses the term dog, right? Those authors, Revelation 22, 15 says, outside are the dogs. That's Kuon. Philippians 3, 2 says, look out for the dogs. That And those are Jews he's talking about. Not all Jews, but in particular, a certain subclass of those who are hostile to the gospel. The, that's the word Kuon. 
yeah, this is, this is just deceit. So the question then comes up, what is the purpose of calling her dog? Like, what is Jesus getting at? It's obviously not a compliment. Okay. We all agree on this. This isn't, I'm just saying, don't couch it in 2021 critical race theory, like racial tension language, this or, or gender issues language, because that's not the case at all. The significance of the term dog here, biblically, it's about her being part of a people group who has abandoned the God of creation and given themselves as a community over to idols, right? She is part of the Syrophoenicians. She's a Canaanite in one way of thinking about it. Like Matthew says, she's um, she's basically worshiping idols. She's worshiping false idols. That is her lifestyle. She just happens to come across Jesus. I mean, three miles north of where they meet in Tiberias, there's an, there's an idol, a false god that was a god of healing. She may well have been trekking there to go and appeal to this false god and then her, hears about Jesus. And like many of those who are in these pluralistic religions, she thinks, hey, Jesus, I'll give him a shot too. You know, he, you know, I'm not saying there's nothing about him. I, I worship idols, but I also may come over here and ask for his help. So Jesus is trying to humble the woman to let her realize you are asking for help from the Jewish Messiah, yet you have rejected that God, the God of creation. So you see, this is about religious issues, not racial issues. This isn't about cultural issues per se. It's about it's about God. It's about this, the fact that she's part of a group of people who has rejected God. And the promises about Jesus are to the people of Israel first, and then as an overflow to the rest of the world. This is why it's not specifically about her being a Syrophoenician. This Syrophoenician woman, it's not like she's Irish American. This is, again, a 21st century reading into the text. The issue is not that Jewish people don't like Greek people. The issue is that Jesus's mission of salvation is to the Jew first, and then it will come to the Gentile as well. Look at the Bible's attitude towards those who are not in Christ, who are not in Messiah, those who are part of the Gentile or the non-Jewish world. Paul writes to these Ephesians who were largely Gentiles. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is the sense in which Jesus is saying she's part of the dogs, those who have rejected God. Now, you might say, Mike, Jesus is being very offensive here. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to agree with you and say, yes, he is. He's being offensive in a way you need him to be. You have abandoned God in your life too. You need to turn your heart to Christ. This doesn't mean Jews don't have to repent. No, the Bible says both do. The, the, the non-Jews who have forsaken the God of creation and built all these religions of their own, to, or, or, or the Jew who having the information from the God of creation still committed sin, still fell short of God's glory. Everyone needs to humble themselves and repent. We're all outside until we're brought in. Jesus is an equal opportunity offender. He tells everybody, you got to repent. They want to make this about her pride and about her self, like, respect and all these things, but Jesus is actually calling us to humble ourselves. That's what's happening here. And it's completely missed because these guys have rejected the gospel and they've replaced it with their views of race and, and power dynamics and all these other things that are, there's half truth in those things, but they're not biblical teachings. Look again at a master of scripture manipulation. Look at how hard he tries to turn this from a, an issue of religious affiliation with the true God or false gods to a question about women of color, women of color and race issues as if, I mean, it sounds as though it's about 21st century race issue dynamics when it's really not. Listen to this. Now at the time, Jews did not associate with the Canaanites. The Canaanites were the other. The Canaanites were those people of color that, that, that if you touch, you become unpure. 
So the Canaanites were the marginalized of the time of Jesus. Salvation was not for them color folks who are the Canaanites. But then Jesus meets a woman of color. He learns from this woman of color. Jesus, in all of his humanity, was willing to learn from a woman of color. Jesus was able to learn from a woman of color. Look, I'm all for learning from women of color. I don't care. I just, he's butchering the scripture for his agenda. That's the problem that's going on here. This is not a, there's no color dynamic going on here. You know what Jesus looked like? Jesus looked like this woman of color. Like, like they're, they're both Middle Easterns. They both come from basically the same area and they both are going to look pretty stinking similar. Fairly dark skinned, at least compared to me. Okay. That's, that's normal. That's just how people looked back then, especially Jesus himself would have very possibly been darker than her, being that he's out traveling all the time, he's in the sun all the time, and that's pretty much his job as an itinerant preacher, basically. So it's just so crazy. I mean, to Jesus, this woman would not have looked much different than Mary, his mom. This is, there's not an issue there with Jesus and women. He invites women to be his disciples. He, he allows them to sit at his feet while he's teaching and encourages them. He defends them when people come against him. Like Jesus elevates women, period, like way beyond their culture. It was definitely not culturally normal the way that Jesus treats women. So yeah, this, these are just incredible biases on behalf of Brandon Robertson and on behalf of his source, his guru, Miguel de la Torre. It's not the point at all. So the first major lie, the biggest lie of this whole video is that Jesus is having a moment of racial tension and racial derogatory comments about a woman of color who is then responding with boldness. In fact, that's the second lie. The second lie is that she responds by speaking truth to power. Listen to how Brandon Robertson purposely butchers what scripture says in this passage. What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. She speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Yeah. Let's take a look for a second at what the scripture actually says. It actually says versus Brandon Robertson's version of the scripture. His his statement, let me, I'm going to put it on your screen. This is the Brandon Robertson woke version of the Bible. Okay. Mark 7, 28. Um, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Look at what she actually says. Yes, Lord. Now he's replaced the phrase, yes, Lord, with you can think that about me. Yes, Lord is an affirmation. Yes, Lord is an agreement. The woman agrees with Jesus. Jesus, you're right. I am not of the people who have held the word of God and carried it through the centuries. I am not one who has been faithful to the God of Israel, to Yahweh, to the true God through my life. I am an idolater. I am outside. I have no claim on the promises for the people of Israel, except that those promises do overflow to the world because your grace is that big. So she agrees with him and says, yes, Lord. He goes, it's not fitting right? To take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Let the children be fed first. And Jesus is like, or the woman, she says, yes, yes, Lord, I agree. She agrees with Jesus. She doesn't speak truth to power. She doesn't push back against him as, as though she thinks he's wrong. She affirms it. And then she appeals for grace. She says, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. But that's not what the Brandon Robertson woke version says. His version says, even the dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Notice the word deserve 
that he says right here. She speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. What Brandon adds is a disagreement. The woman says, no, Lord, you're wrong. Right? You can think that about me if you want. Like, you're wrong. She pushes back. Then he adds deserve, but she doesn't say deserve. She's, she's appealing to grace. She hears Jesus use the diminutive form of this word for dog that implies a pet like a loved house pet is, is is a possible understanding of this word. And she takes it that way. Like this is Jesus who prompts her response because Jesus is meaning to do this thing all along. He doesn't change his mind. He's not being racial and and sexist. No, he's, he's giving her the proper perspective to have on the kindness of God going to the non-Jew. We experience the overflow of God's love. I should say the overflow of God's blessings to Israel. They, they pour out to all, the whole world through there. The word deserve is never there. So it's the opposite. In both cases, she says the opposite of what Brandon Robertson, the reverend who calls himself a reverend, says he speaks and, and teaches in, as, a, as a minister of the gospel of Christ in places. He completely turns upside down what she says. She agrees. You're right. I don't deserve these things, but I'm appealing to your grace. That's how I would interpret her statement about even the dogs uh, get the, get the um, children's crumbs under the table. I think that's pretty, pretty powerful. In other words, the woman, if she heard Brandon Robertson's TikTok video today, she would be appalled at how she's being misrepresented and how Jesus is being demonized, especially the same Jesus that healed her daughter. But where is it coming from then? Like, where is he getting the interpretation that she demanded, that she required, that she was like pushing back? Like she's she's confronting Jesus. She's speaking truth to power. These, these are obviously very loaded modern terms that don't apply very well to the text of scripture, but he's getting this. From Miguel de la Torre again. This is his source right here. This woman crossed borders of her gender and her ethnicity in order to demand to be treated as an equal. Demand. She demanded, she demanded, right, that this of gender and ethnicity, he makes it all about race and sex, and she demanded, but that's not what the text actually says. All right, let's look at the third lie that we have in this short TikTok video. And this, this is the problem, of, I would say, with TikTok videos in general. It's a lot easier to cram large numbers of lies into a short space and deceive people than it is to cram large numbers of truths because truths aren't always easily summarized as well as um, untruths are. But at any rate, here's the third one. Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus' mind. Okay, the lie is that she changed Jesus' mind. Jesus didn't change his mind here. Jesus never changed his mind about non-Jews. And I mean, it, listen, you guys, you might see I'm like a little worked up. That's because I've been listening to hours and hours of this guy's content as along with Miguel de la Torre. And it's really a whole different Christianity. Look, I, I love holding hands with Christians of different stripes. I love disagreeing with people and agreeing to disagree. Like here's my Calvinist brother. Here's my Arminian brother. And I'm like, let's hold hands. Let's, let's worship God together. Here's my cessationist brother. Here's my charismatic brother. And I want to hold hands. There's a hyper charismatic group. And I'm like, you're still my brother in Christ. I love holding hands across these different groups. I can't hold hands with these guys. This is a butchering of, of Christianity at the core. I'm actually going to another video later this week where I go in detail about the actual theology and how at the core of it, the theology is completely uh, corrupt. We'll get into that later on. For now, though, let's talk about this whole idea that, that Jesus changed his mind. Um, and this is a big narrative we get from Miguel de la Torre. He suggests, and I'm going to play a clip from him in a second. He suggests, as you hear this clip, that Jesus, as he's walking the earth, he plans to be the salvation for the Jews, but he has no agenda to save Gentiles. And it's only after meeting this woman 
that he and, and he's like he calls her a, a, the B word, the effective equivalent of the B word. And then she changes his mind and he's like, wow, your little riddle changed my mind. I'm not racist anymore. I'm not sexist anymore. I guess I'll save the world, not just the Jews like this is. Listen, I'm not making this up. Listen to this and then I'll push back against it with what the Bible actually says. So the Canaanites were the marginalized of the time of Jesus. And it's interesting that for Jesus at the time, salvation was only for the Jews. In Matthew 10, 5, Jesus' missionary instructions were to go out only to the Jewish nation. So he begins his ministry in chapter 15, 24 by saying, do not turn your steps to pagan territory and do not enter any Samaritan town. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Salvation was not for them color folks who are the Canaanites. But then Jesus meets a woman of color who challenges Jesus. And he begins by telling her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Not I was first sent to them or I'll get to you later, but I was only sent to them. So, so quite frankly, all these other people were not included in this salvation plan until he learned from this woman of color. Now, Jesus learns the lesson because by Matthew 28, 19, Jesus is now saying, go therefore to all nations and make disciples of all people. Um, can I just, on a side note, like if you go to this, this church, wherever these guys are, these three guys sat there and let this man blaspheme the name of Christ, distort the very message of the love of God for, for all people and the love of Christ for all people, all in the name of his, 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 uh, his cultural agenda, which if you want to go against racism, like I'm with you on that. But this power dynamics, critical race theory reading of scripture is not that. Right. This is this is a way of distorting Christianity for a distorted social agenda. I'm, I'm just calling it like I see it. Um, Racism is a serious issue. We got to push against it. We got to fight against it. As Christians, we should speak up. We should act accordingly. According to Miguel de la Torre, Jesus's opinion of the Gentiles is y'all can just go to hell. Right. Like I there's there's no salvation for you colored folk. That's the term he uses. Like my goodness to throw dynamites into the text of Scripture and, and uh, bleh, I just want to. It makes me want to throw up. So what's really going on here? Uh, Miguel tries to push back and say that Jesus, you could say, well, it was the Jew first and then the Gentile, which by the way, by the way, that has always been the teaching of the church because it's always been the teaching of the Bible. It was not only for the Jews. It was only for the Jews first to hear the message and get the messenger, Jesus. And then it was to spread to the whole world. And this was always the plan. But now I, as a pastor who thinks that Jesus was, I don't know, like right all the time, I have to like go and prove that early in Jesus's ministry, he had an agenda to save the whole world and not just the Jews. So let's do it, shall we? Um, in, in, let's go through some scripture here now to prove the case. In the Old Testament, and, and now you have to ask yourself this. Did Jesus have the Old Testament? Did he know the Old Testament? Did Jesus, I wonder what Miguel de la Torre thinks here. Did Jesus, when he's 30 years old and begins his ministry, does he, does he know the prophecies about himself in the Bible? I mean, you, you have to say he does because he quotes them all the time. So in Isaiah 49, 6, we actually have a scripture that does say that the purpose is not just for the Jews, right? Oh, let me get rid of the Brandon Robertson woke version. 
There it goes. Isaiah 49, 6, he says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the, the preserved of Israel. It's too small. It's not enough for you just to save the Jews. I will make you as a light for the nations. That's the word Gentiles there. That my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Did Now, the question you have to ask if you care about theology, right? Did Jesus know that this was about him? When he's early in his ministry, or is Miguel de la Torre correct that Jesus thinks he's only going to save the Jews and he's just kind of ignorant of Isaiah 49, 6? Well, we actually have some support that Jesus specifically, I mean, if you need the support, <laughs> that Jesus specifically was, a, was consciously, humanly aware of these passages. And that is in Luke chapter 4, because he quotes Isaiah and says it's about him in Luke chapter 4. So he came to Nazareth. And this, this, is, this is key. Okay, I'm building a biblical case here. You want to think biblically about things. Here we go. As he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue and this, on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found that place where it was written. And then he reads. Now, this is just, you know, this is early in Jesus' ministry. It's Luke chapter 4, very early in Jesus' ministry. And he quotes this about himself. The spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He set me, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of covering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It couldn't be any more bold, right? Jesus is like, look, I am the one who's doing this. It's me. So it's an order issue, not an exclusive issue. It's Jew first, also to the Greek. I can add more to this case. Do you know that in Jesus's genealogy, there were two Canaanites? There were two Canaanite women. One was Rahab and one was Ruth. They're both women and they're both Canaanites and they're in Jesus's genealogy. And the Bible includes them because there is no prejudice against these women for their, for their, um, their origin or, or their genetics, right? Both of them, they turn to the God of Israel. It's a religious issue, not a race issue that's going on. We also have Simeon's prophecy in Luke 2.32. Do you think Jesus knew about it? I mean, if, if Luke knew about it all these years later, I think Jesus probably knew about it. This is what was said over Jesus as an infant. And I think that his mom told him about this. A light that Jesus would be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is to reveal truth to the Gentiles. Jesus' mission from the beginning was known to be this. Miguel de la Torre's self-serving butchering where he just throws Jesus under the bus in order to support his his perspective um his his sort of like social you know agendas that he's got it's not consistent with scripture somehow Luke knows but Jesus never did somehow Jesus quotes Isaiah 49 but doesn't read two verses prior like is Jesus that ignorant of scripture according to Miguel de la Torre also, Jesus has already healed at Gennesaret. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, before he meets this woman, he's already healed in a location that was largely Gentile. So he's already been helping Gentiles. Also, and, and this is remarkable. This is probably one of the strongest things I can offer you in, to push back against the bad theology of Miguel de la Torre, who he needs to repent, openly repent of his open blaspheming of the name of Christ and the damage it does to the world. Because you know who loves Brandon Robertson and Miguel de la Torre? Skeptics and atheists who have an ax to grind against scripture. Because you're, you're like, you to them, you look like a Christian. Miguel, Brandon, to them, you look like a Christian. And you're affirming all of their prejudices against the Bible for them. So it's, So they love you. This is why they want to lift you up. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. Um, and it's it's effectively stabbing Jesus in the back. Now, this is remarkable. Um, Jesus, while he was at Nazareth, let's go back to Luke 4. I think you're going to, 
you're going to love this because this absolutely proves unequivocally that Jesus not only was not racist or sexist against this woman, but that this whole thing had been planned out from the beginning because it was it was Jesus's intention to heal this woman's child, but to do it in a way that made sure that they understood some some important truths about who Jesus is and about how the gospel works. So let me let me build my case if I can. Luke 4:24 through 30. This is Jesus at Nazareth. This is Jesus right after reading the, from the scroll from the same passage that says the light's going to go to the Gentiles, right? That that same passage. Then in Luke 4:24, Jesus says this to the people in Nazareth. You've got to pick up on this. What Jesus tells them in Luke 4:24 as we read these verses through 30, it makes them so mad that they want to kill Jesus. And can I say, spoiler alert, the reason is because what he says, it talks about the Gentiles receiving salvation. All right, listen, and this is before he meets the woman and calls her a dog, calls his, her people dogs. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you that there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months and a great famine over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Tyron Sidon, right? This is a woman who is healed by Elijah, right? She's helped by Elijah, even though there's plenty of other widows who are Jews that Elijah doesn't help. Does this sound like the words of someone who thinks that there's no salvation for the Gentiles? No, Miguel de la Torre, you're just lying about Christ. Verse 27, and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. He's literally a Syrian. So, Tyre and Sidon, where Jesus meets the woman, and Syria, where she's actually from, he, he mentions two people that were healed that were non-Jews, that were taken care of by the prophets of God, mentions how it's because the prophets of God are not accepted by the Jewish people in their own homes, and then they get so mad, they're filled with wrath, and they rise to drive him out of the town, and they're going to throw him off a cliff, they want to kill him. The thing here is that what Jesus did not long after meeting in Nazareth and saying these things is he travels over to Tyre and there he meets a Syrophoenician woman. And even though he did very few miracles in Nazareth, he heals this woman's daughter. He is, he is showing you that what was pictured with Elijah is true of Christ as well. This is all deliberate. It's all purposeful. It has nothing to do with racism or any of that. The idea is that Jews, you're going to reject this gospel, but they're also learning another lesson. The gospel's for the Gentiles. It's for the Gentiles. So Jesus, it ne he never changed. It was the Jew first and the rest of the world the whole time. The verses that Miguel de la Torre quotes, he quotes out of context. He deliberately uh, mis misuses and abuses scripture, ruffles my feathers because there's sincere mistakes and then there's agenda-driven deliberate mistakes. And that's what we're seeing here. That's what we're seeing here. Now, Now I hope you guys will pray for Miguel de la Torre. I hope you'll pray for Brandon Robertson, but I hope you'll pray even more for the many people who hear their information and get deceived to hate scripture, hate Jesus, or get pulled into what ultimately is effectively a, a non-Christian religion pretending to be Christianity. It's very sad. So Jesus never changes. He never changes. His agenda all along has been salvation to the whole world. He just wants to put it in the proper context. It's the woman who changes. The woman is the one who comes in. She's humbled. She she realizes, you're right. I, I am of a people who are idolaters. She's probably an idolater herself. And she has to acknowledge this. Come humbly. Humbly. And this is the message of the gospel. Everyone has to come humbly 
to the cross. You need to humble yourself. I'm not a dog. I'm, I'm not bad. No, you are. You need Jesus, man. You need forgiveness. You need grace. This is the nature of the gospel is you got to admit who you really are. You are one who's fallen short of God's glory. And when you come to Jesus and you say, yes, Lord, but if I could just have the blessings and the benefits of your love anyways, then he receives you with open arms. He lifts up the humble. He resists the proud. Brandon and Miguel celebrate this woman as if she's full of pride. The opposite is true. She's full of humility. And for that reason, I celebrate her because of her humility as an example to me to come to Jesus and say, I don't deserve it, but I appeal to your grace. What I'm saying so far is that Miguel de la Torre is actually intentionally recreating a new Jesus to fit his cultural agendas. Okay, I've been saying that pretty loud and clear. What I'm going to show you now is a clip where he says it too, that he says that he's doing this. Now, the reason he's doing this is because he thinks there's a white Jesus that's evil that he wants to get rid of. His solution to that problem is to create a Latino Jesus, right? Who's going to champion the things he wants Jesus to champion. So listen to it in his own words. This is where we, we make true observations that some people have tried to take Jesus and fit him into their culture. And we need to we need to stop that, right? But the solution is not what he suggests, fitting Jesus into your culture, remaking Jesus to fit your image instead. I will understand Jesus using my own cultural symbols. And even if I get it wrong, it's still my Jesus. Yeah, it's your, it's your Jesus, but you got it wrong. Notice that he doesn't care if he gets it wrong. He cares if it's his Jesus. Look, you don't get to have your own Jesus. There's like one real Jesus. You can accept him, reject him. But if you have your Jesus, your own Jesus, that's a fake one. That's like having your own God. This is this is what the Canaanites did. This is, this is what Jesus is rebuking with the woman. They have these false gods and they're basically saying, I will understand God with my own cultural symbols. And if I get the wrong Jesus or the wrong God, at least it's my own God. You know, and Jesus is rebuking this. This is why they're outside. This is why they're the dogs, so to speak. So sadly, he's falling into the same mistake Jesus, I think, is refuting and rebuking in this case. And now we get to the fourth lie, the fourth lie in this one-minute video. Boy, it's easier to quickly tell lies than to quickly tell truth, isn't it? Anyway, here we are. Here's the fourth one. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. Jesus repents of his racism. Um there's nothing in the text that says Jesus changed his mind. There's nothing in the text that says Jesus repented of anything. I get that the text is challenging. I think it's meant to be because it's meant to humble all mankind before God. But look at what it actually says. So in the text we have up here on the screen to look at, there's nothing here, no words here that suggest that Jesus repented. It looks more like the woman was being tested than anything else, right? Because he goes, for this statement, you may go your way, the demons left your daughter. You agreed with me. And you humbled yourself and appealed for grace because you're coming humbly. I am going to give you grace. Like that, that's how I would read the passage. How is Jesus changing there? He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. This is the way God always has worked. There's no repentance here. He's consistent from Old to New Testament. Jesus didn't repent of racism. He didn't have racism. He didn't have cultural systemic racism that was infecting him in some way. There's this. This is all just modern Modern agendas being read into the text of scripture because the real Lord here is critical race theory. All right, we get to our fifth lie, the final lie in the video. I love this story because it's a reminder that Jesus is human. He had prejudices and bias, and when confronted with it, he was willing to do his work. Did Jesus 
do his work. This, this again is a loaded term, do his work. It, there, there's sort of a, a lesson we're all being taught is that everyone's effectively racist and you have to do your work, which means sort of like humbling yourself and being to admit, being able to admit no matter how much you don't think you're racist or sexist, you really are. Your culture is for you and you, you're complicit with your culture, these types of teachings. This is not what scripture teaches us. Okay, this is, again, an agenda outside the Bible being pushed onto Christianity. Jesus didn't do his work. Okay, there's no work for him to do here. Not in that regard, not not in that terminology. Jesus didn't have prejudices. Now, can I rescue Jesus from Brandon Robertson real quick? Jesus having prejudices is antithetical to the gospel itself. If he had any prejudice at all, he would stay in heaven and he would simply judge us all. He'd just blow up the world and end everybody. If he had prejudices, it's not hard to simply play those out. His act of coming in human form where he takes on a lowly form of a bondservant, like a nobody. It's proof that he has no prejudices against us. He's doing it for us. He knows how wicked we are. That's right judgment, not pre prejudice in a negative sense. He knows we're wicked and he comes and bears our sin instead. He loves us so much and we don't deserve it. This casts Jesus as sort of like a bigot. Like he just cares about his Jewish people. He's just being tribal, right? Like he's, he's othering, he's othering the rest of the world. I'm sorry, but compared to God, the rest of the world is others. And the fact that he comes and bears our sin, that he dies for us in our wickedness, that he He wears our image, you know, in, in a human form, and then he dies on a cross at our hands, to then accuse him of prejudice is to not understand, like John 3:16, that God loves the world. To not know that it was for it was love that held him there the whole time, that he did it for all of us. It's just nuts. It's absolutely nuts. But it gives me a great opportunity, doesn't it? to talk about the glorious gospel of Christ, to tell you that Jesus does love you and that even if nobody else has loved you, he has, but not because you deserve it. It's just because he's love. He just loves that much. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. He doesn't have work to do. He's so beyond that. Uh, no, he, he lived humility and love every day, every step of the way. I think Brandon Robertson needs to do his work. And Brandon, if you're watching this video, um, I, honestly, please, man, please repent. Like actually the biblical meaning of the word repent. I know you have a new definition of repent. I'm going to deal with that in my next video where you actually teach that repent means to expand your mind. Like this is not true in Greek or in the text of scripture. We're going to deal with that next time. And I pray this is a wake up call to you uh, in the harshest possible sense. I got to tell you, please, please, man, you're not just wrong. You're also a false teacher. You're teaching wrong to others and causing them harm. And you're on the hook for the things that you're spreading. Don't follow Brandon as he follows the Jesus that he makes up. Follow Christ. Follow Christ. And only follow people as much as they actually follow Christ. So there's one last reason why I want to mention why Jesus called this woman a dog. And and because he could just say everyone's a dog. Every human's a dog in the sense they all have to repent. But he specifically mentions non-Jews as dogs. And the idea is this, that the Bible is, and this is super, super important for our modern culture, the, the Bible's trying to, the New Testament, Jesus himself is trying to make sure that we know that you have to interpret Jesus through the lens of the Old Testament, right? That Jesus is a Jewish Messiah, that the law, the prophets, and the writings are commentary on Christ, and that he is the fulfillment of them. So when you go to Old and New, you realize you can't ever abandon the Old Testament to understand who Christ is. This is to prevent us from doing what Brandon and Miguel are doing, which is making their own Jesus, making a modern Jesus to fit their current cultural agendas. He's like, nope, you got to look at the context of the Old Testament to know who the Messiah is, and then see him as one who's fulfilling God's promises to Abraham, one who's fulfilling the law, one who's fulfilling the prophets. Jesus, in other words, is the Old Testament Messiah.
who has come now fully revealed in the new. You're not supposed to interpret him apart from the Bible. Real Christianity never ditches the scriptures because the scriptures are the interpretive grid for understanding who Jesus is. So I will put here a link to my long teaching on Mark chapter seven, where I deal with the issue of Jesus calling a woman a dog in detail. This was from months back. And I will put another link over here that'll be once I have my next video out on Brandon and his very wrong theology.